Welcome back to What Season Are We On? I'm Pyle. And I'm Mallory. And we have another special guest this week. My one and only brother, Rocco. Woo! Woo! <laughs> I did. What, a, what an honor. I know. Yeah, we're, we're so excited, excited to have you. Yes, you are the technically the second guest to our guest sequence here um we're bringing in all different peoples with different kind of niches someone who's like a little bit interesting and does something a little bit different so you're second in line welcome amazing thank you glad to be how are you long time no see i know it's been a minute good to see you um how am i doing today i'm doing okay i'm feeling pretty tired right now um had like a really good workout but now i'm sleepy and don't want to fold my laundry or clean the kitchen so you do look a little flushed thank you i think (laughs) 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 like you were working down hard yeah like a little 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 like yeah glowy Uh, well, Rocco, you can want to take a second and just like introduce yourself. Mal just told us all that you're her one and only brother, so we know that much about you. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, where to begin? So my name's Rocco. I um, live in West Los Angeles. I work in the tech industry and like to spend a lot of time outside of work doing things that I really care about. Uh, I'm so excited to talk more about that today. But I think at a high level, I am someone who um really just enjoys you know being out t- outside and i really enjoy learning and i think those things feel very resonant with me especially now i love that i love that tell me you're in tech on on a high level like i <laughs> yeah. it, i got it <laughs> like i haven't been working all day right <laughs> <laughs> and he's the only sibling i would say that actually appreciates the outdoors i don't know where he got it from it doesn't run in the genes but he's the only one to go camping outside. together <laughs> problem solved he got one cervantes to go he's good to go <laughs> <laughs> quick sub yes. in you know yeah so today we i know you have a lot of hobbies which include cycling dancing pottery but i think we really want to learn a little bit more about your fermentation hobby and all those fun things that kind of surround that yeah i mean like it's more i guess like mindful mindful living like i feel like you do a really great job of uh you know, everything that you bring into your home is used in some sort of positive way. Uh, so it's very cool to see because a lot of that, I'm like, wow, I didn't even think of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I think, yeah, you definitely have to start us off on your Sunday mornings and kind of just walk us through your farmer's market purchases, how you decide on things and all that good, good right there. Totally. So I guess to really start from the beginning, I I think I've always been interested in food. My love for food is something that 
it hasn't really been new. Like I think fermentation was something I got into in like 2020. Um, but I've always really been interested in food. I think I've in- always enjoyed cooking for my friends. I think I've always enjoyed being in the kitchen. It's like my number one content that I'm fed from any you know social media site is like food content. <laughs> um, so I-, I think this has always been kind of a part of me. And I think especially now like living alone i really get to explore food and what the kitchen means to me um so something that is very like in my weekly practice is going to the farmer's market on sunday i go to the one in mar vista i try to get there like right when it opens um and i think the reason i like it and there's so many reasons i think one it's really important to me to be closer to our food sources i think in a lot of the western world we are so far removed from the people who are growing what we're eating and what we're putting on our plate. And so I like, I think philosophically this idea that like, I'm talking to the people that grew, you know, the, the broccoli that I'm bringing home. And that I think has a lot of appeal. The other thing I really like is to eat in season. I think one it's cheaper, like it's cheaper to buy, you know, foods that are in season. And so that is definitely an appeal as well. And then I think, I sort of like challenging myself in the kitchen. And so I like going to the farmer's market on Sunday and saying, like, what looks good? Like, what are the things I know I'll eat? You know, like the classics that I don't have to think too much about. And then what are the things that, like, look kind of strange? Um, I think one thing that comes to mind is I've been really into spigarello, which is this green that it's kind of like a broccoli and spinach combined in terms of flavor profile. I don't know much about, like, the cultivar or anything like that. But there's one vendor who sells it every single week and I buy it every single week. <laughs> and I had never heard of Spigarello ever before in my life. And it was just one day that I was like, okay, I'll try this. And now it's just like one of my favorite things to eat all together you know, throughout the week. So, That's so I, I think, cool. yeah, when I go to the farmer's market, I really try to just, I have my, you know, my vendors that I really like and we chat and like, I'll bring fermented goods to them sometimes. You're um, a local. Yeah. <laughs> I think it feels good. Yeah. Like having that community, being closer to the food source and really just like finding stuff that I'm like, okay, how do I make this vegetable delicious? And what, what do I like it? You know, what, what can I, what can I play with? I love that. I need to be more like you. I need to, I feel like, I, I don't know. I feel like vegetables scare me. Is that like a, like, you know, I have them. I have the ones that I love and I'll have them all the time. But I've never even heard of, heard of a, sprig, a sprigarella. Like now I have to I go look that up. I, they use it in Jamba Juice drinks. And you can like it, sometimes add it in your like nectars. It's just like I an additive. No idea. It's like, that's what they put in that like blue drink from Jamba Juice. It's sprigarello and like blue algae. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's so good. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, I think like I would just encourage you to like try vegetables that look tasty or like if you see vegetables out on like restaurant menus, I think that can be another good way to be like, oh, I like this. Like, can I can I do this at home? Can I make it simpler? Maybe what can I, you know, just really go in and play is kind of how I approach vegetables. Do you ever do research like what kind of like what kind of vegetables you're after like okay i brought this crazy vegetable home like how do i cook it what do i do with it absolutely definitely i I usually like will buy it at the farmer's market and then i get home and i'm like wait what the heck am i doing like i actually (laughs) don't know you know anything about this um there's a couple books that i go to and just like google generally Uh, salt fat acid heat by samin nosrat is like amazing best cookbook i think i've ever read it is probably my favorite 
Um, as I mentioned, I live in LA and like, there's a lot of celebrities in LA and I'm not really a starstruck person, but if I saw Samin Nosrat, I am convinced I would like just kill <laughs> over, would be like, couldn't say a word. I would just, I really am very into Samin Nosrat and her philosophy with food and how she talks about food. So I consult that book a lot. Um, the other one that I really like was recommended to me by a friend. It's called Six Seasons. And so it's a cookbook that's organized by what's in season. Um, oh, and okay. so that's another one that I'll kind of pull and be like, oh, like, how did someone, you know, use this turnip? Uh, are there different ways that I haven't been cooking this that that I can try with? Wow. I actually love that. I'm going to look up Six Seasons because I think p- knowing what pairs well together it's that's so true. difficult. I mean, that's the name of the game, right? That's why these chefs yeah. are so good at what they do is because they can look at a bunch of stuff and know like, hey, these things are going to complement well. Uh, and then so. it kind of helps guide you, like takes out the guesswork of, okay, yeah. what do I make for dinner tonight with this crazy looking vegetable? A hundred percent. That's the hardest question. Why did no one warn us about that? What am I going <laughs> to have for dinner? What are you making for dinner? What's for dinner? literally the hardest question of my everyday life (laughs) totally totally i feel that way especially with lunches i think like so i work from home so i get the flexibility of like being able to cook my own lunch and like often i'll post it on my my little instagram story but i think it's like really hard to have like a healthy delicious lunch that doesn't take you know an hour in the kitchen like i don't have the time to step away from my computer for you know to just make whatever and so i think a lot about like how do i you know keep giving myself my body the nutrients it needs while also being really realistic about like the time that I have to actually you know be chopping and then cleaning and then you know trying something right. new so I and think then what when dinners are tough and lunches are even harder yeah yeah because when you're experimenting you're like okay I've now committed all of this time to this dish if it is not good like I don't have time to <laughs> remake this right now or remake totally. something such a good point <laughs> like what if it doesn't cook the way I expected it to what if it like tastes sideways or something crazy yeah that has definitely happened many times, <laughs> many times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat this meal begrudgingly and I'm not eating the leftovers. Like I'm going to get through just today and anything left over, I'm probably. Cool. Tell us a little bit more about the fermenting though, because that's why we're here today. And yeah. I need, and I, I want to know all about it because it started with like the kombucha and the Mao had a small batch. And so I got to try some of that. It was great. Um, but you, you do so much more than just the kombucha. So I'm going to just kind of kick it off to you to. Totally. Let's see. So I think it all started I, there. I was watching this series on Netflix called Cooked, which was based off of a book that Michael Pollan wrote. Michael Pollan is kind of like a food anthropologist, does a lot of writing, wrote like Omnivore's Dilemma, is like been in the food cultural zeitgeist for a while, like likes to write about food, specifically with an anthropological lens. And so I was reading this book during the pandemic and there's like this whole section on fermentation. And he, I think what really stuck out to me was like humans were fermenting before there was the written language, I think is a line in the book. Like humans have been fermenting before we even knew what fermentation was. We would add a bunch of salt. Can we pause for a second? And can you give a definition and kind of walk us through like what is actually fermentation mean? Yes. Great, great, great pause. Um, I think... (laughs) I, I guess fermentation is simply put the act of like microbial activity on food that typically results in preservation of that food. 
So common ferments are things like sauerkraut, kombucha you mentioned, uh, sourdough, things like bread are fermented, wine, beer, all of these things, you know, they're, they're all over. I think oftentimes fermentation, people kind of turn their nose up and are like, oh no, like that sounds spooky. I don't want to get sick. And really when you zoom out, it's like you're probably eating fermented foods all the time. Things like yogurt, um, Pickles are kind of, pickling is a little bit different than fermentation, but fermentation is really the microbial activity uh, used to preserve food is how I would define it. Um, yeah, so I was reading this book. He was talking a lot about fermentation and makes this great point that like we've really co-evolved with these microbial species. Like there is a community of microbes that humans have interacted with for millennia. Um, whether like we knew even what microbiology was or we didn't, like we've still been fermenting as a species for a long, long time. And so that just like totally resonated with me. I was like so into it, was really into the science of it all, the chemistry, the biology of like, what does it mean to really transform food and to transform this food in a way that makes it last longer. Um, and so it was just amazing to me. And I think that's kind of how I got started is I started with what are called lacto ferments, which are when you kind of preserve something in salt. Then I have done kombucha. I ferment my own vinegars. I fermented my own alcohols. I did bread a little bit, but I wasn't quite as into bread. Um, yeah, I kind of just, the fermentation similarly is another way in which I just kind of play with the food. How many fermentation projects do you have working right now? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so at least in eyesight, I have, uh, I, so I guess one of the other things I really like about fermentation is it's really good when there's excess of food. So I have a friend who has a guava tree and he was like, Hey, I have a bunch of guavas. And so I was like, sure, I'll take them like better than them going to waste. So I started some guava wine. That I will ferment it probably pretty soon. Um, yeah. And then I have some persimmon vinegar going, some ale vinegar. So I use like, th there were a bunch of herbs that me and a couple of friends foraged in like the local LA mountains. And then they, we use Wait, them. Wait, let's pause. That is uh, real foraging out in the land. He's going yeah. and searching for food. That is, that is, you just skated right over that, that um, term word, okay? Yes, so we were. <laughs> we took a class together, me and these friends. We met at the same foraging class where uh, Pascal Bodar, uh, based in you know the Southern California, does a lot of these kind of like education courses. And he, Pascal has like a bunch of books. I have a couple of them as well. And one of the things he talks about is ales and how ales were made way before we think of commercial brewing and like we think of carboys and the sterilization and all of these sort of modern techniques toward beer brewing are, are, are quite modern and there have been you know humans have been making beer for a really really long time um and so this ale that i had going was kind of i think the the main herbs was whorehound it's in the mint family extremely bitter and it was sort of the bittering agent used in ale before hops were around now hops are kind of like the main thing we talk about hoppy beers oh and ipas yeah. and all these things yeah. um so this one's like the og ale which i tried and i was like i don't like this very much at all <laughs> and i made like a lot of it so i was like okay well i don't want to waste all of this beer uh or ale and so I added, you know, backslopped, which is when you take a completed vinegar product or kombucha and add it to what you want to ferment. That kind of gets the microbes, uh, the right microbes started off. And so I backslopped it with some mm. existing vinegar and 
that's just kind of fermenting away. I'm trying to see if I can save it. I like really didn't like the flavor when I tried it, but I'm hoping as a vinegar, I like it a little bit more. Um, yeah, I have kombucha going like always. Um, I have a number of different lacto ferments in my fridge. Like if you look at my fridge, it's just all jars. Um, I <laughs> fermented peaches, fermented mushrooms. There's sauerkraut in there. There's kimchi in there. There's radishes in there. Like I really will just ferment kind of anything at this point. Can you talk about the equipment you buy to ferment all the fun stuff? Uh, such a good question. I think like <laughs> if anyone listening to this is interested in fermentation, like start small. Follow There's... at Mexican <laughs> Sensation. <laughs> yes, you're, you're welcome yeah. to follow me on Instagram for sure at Mexican Sensation. Um, you get some really great food content, honestly. You definitely you. do. And some <laughs> great Layla content at times. <laughs> yes, the, the niece of the podcast. Yes, she's my niece <laughs> or the daughter of the podcast. I'm not really sure how to define Layla, um, but... Yes, those are pretty I much know. the only two things. I'm, I'm surprised she's not poking her head in somewhere. <laughs> she's asleep. She's, it's beauty sleep before the birthday, you know? Oh, <laughs> yes. We have our priorities. The yeah. big day. She's ready. <laughs> she's ready. Equipment, like really all you need is kind of a mason jar is the easiest way to get started. That's like the bare minimum for pretty much any lacto for men. Kombucha, you need a slightly larger jar if you want to do bigger volume. But you really don't need a lot. Like, I think what I like to remind people is, again, like humans were fermenting way before really so many other things that we think about in terms of modern technology. So if you want to get started, all you need is a mason jar and the will to learn. I love it. What was the first thing that you fermented? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I think technically I like when I was living in San Francisco, I had like tried kombucha once or twice. Um, and it was good, but I wasn't really hooked on the fermentation bug. After I read Cook, that was again in 2020. I think the first thing I fermented might have been guavas. And I remember I was so terrified, actually. I was like so scared to eat them because I had never fermented anything before. And so I think I like tried a little bite and then was just nervous and like discarded the whole thing. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then after that, because there is an element of fermentation that it can get moldy or not ferment correctly. And then you're basically just like poisoning. Totally. Yourself. I think like pretty much the only way a ferment can go badly <laughs> is if there get, if there's mold. on it. If you see mold like my some fermenters will say, oh, you can just like scrape it off and like let it keep going. I take the approach of just like if you see mold, there could be water soluble toxins. Just get rid of the thing. But yeah i think i i think i was just scared like i didn't really know what i was doing i had read like kind of one book at the time like was sort of following a recipe not really i think i was fermenting some it's called beet kvass it's i think from eastern europe it's like a fermented beet almost soda and i also just like didn't like it like that when i tried and i was like this is so earthy like it's so salty i would like add little bits to my smoothie and be like i do not like i don't know i don't know but I kind of just kept trying. And then I was like, okay, I think a big learning for me in terms of getting into it was trying my ferments more regularly. I would like just kind of set them up and then like leave them alone mm -hmm. for three weeks and then try them and be like, whoa, this tastes nothing <laughs> like I expected. So once I started sampling like, oh, day one, day two, day three, then you kind of see the transformation. And then that really took a lot of the fear away. Wow. Being like, oh, this is totally expected, totally normal. And I'm thrilled by it. Is there, like, as you're trying it, as the days progress, like, if you feel like something is, like, a little off, like, is there a way to, like, course correct? 
That's a great question. Um, I think it depends on the ferment, generally speaking. Again, like if you see mold, there's no course correction. I right. kind of just discard. There's something called con yeast, which is kind of just like a layer, a white film that can sometimes develop on ferments. That's like totally edible and not harmful at all. Some fermenters will just like stir it in for the whole ferment. Some pe- I, I usually scoop it out. So that's one thing you can kind of course correct. If you see con yeast, you can just sort of scoop out the, the top of the, the brine. Um, so I think persimmon vinegar is probably my favorite ferment so far. And I think the reason I like it is because persimmons have a lot of yeast just naturally occurring on their skin. And so the yeast, like in the right environments, kind of just eats all of the sugar in the persimmons. Um, and then what's called acetobacter moves in or acetic acid bacteria. And that eats the alcohol to then make acetic acid, which is sort of the sour component in vinegar. And I think the reason I love persimmon vinegar so much is that you really don't do a lot. Like you don't, you kind of just chop it up and like let it go. And so for that one, sometimes like the book that I follow, Sander Katz is like one of the, you know, godfathers of fermentation in the Western world. Um, He's, this recipe comes from him and you can just kind of cut off pieces that are moldy on the outside skin. So that's another course correction example. I know I said like anytime you see mold, just get rid of it. (laughs) That's this is like maybe one exception that I follow. And if it's on the skin, I usually feel okay to kind of course correct and remove it and let the rest of it ferment together. That's mm-hmm. cool. I, I'm going to have to try this per- persimmon vinegar one day. Uh, you should. Yeah. It's maybe probably has like another three to four weeks before it's done. Um, cool. But it's so good. It's I really like, I think a lot of people in the Western world just like aren't that into vinegar. It's not something that is really big in, at least for me growing up, like we rarely ever ate vinegar. Maybe in a salad dressing was kind of our only right. exposure. And so getting into fermentation too, like I really like vinegars in cocktails or mocktails even. Like they're, you can use them to replace things like lemon juice, lime juice, like normally these acidic components. You can just swap them out for mm. vinegar. And I think they add like persimmon vinegar adds this like fruity complex sour flavor that is just fantastic so that i really like to drink it you had me at cocktail so (laughs) (laughs) because val was telling us about uh your celery vinegar that you had used for the turkey and she could not stop raving that's one of my favorites so you know to hear how like how widely you could make different kinds of vinegar and what really it sounds like you could make almost anything into a vinegar uh pretty so much. Yeah, yeah pretty much at <laughs> one time i made like a martini inspired cocktail so there was like gin celery vinegar and then i i like really go off the deep end sometimes with food but i have like a dehydrator and so i had all these fennel fronds uh, and i didn't know what to do with them so i just dehydrated the fennel fronds and then blitzed them in a in like a spice grinder and so then I made the martini with like gin, celery vinegar, like fennel fronds on top. And it was so good. It was oh, wow. so, I was like, wow, I actually, this is really good. Like I would pay a lot of money for this. You were having a moment. You were like, I did that. Totally. I did all of that. I'm the best. I think especially because I Celery vinegar would be so good in a Oh Bloody yes, Mary. that's one of the one of the recommendations. Like so celery vinegar comes from the Noma Guide to Fermentation. Mm. So Noma, like, they're a restaurant in Copenhagen. They were like the number one restaurant in the world for a while. They might still be. I'm I'm not as into like the the Michelin Guide to really speak to their sort of I don't know uh, pedigree as a restaurant, but they have this book called the Noma Guide to Fermentation. Yeah. 
And that's where the celery vinegar recipe comes from, which is like complicated on its own. But once you have it, it's so easy. Like once you do it once now, I'm just like, this is the best thing ever. Add it Mm. to soups, you know, (laughs) salads are still good. You can like roast vegetables. And then once you take the vegetables out of the oven, just do like a couple drops of any vinegar. It doesn't have to be celery vinegar. And it, it will make your vegetables so much better. Wow. Yeah. I really don't use vinegar as much. You're right. I I feel like I use it a lot more now with all the Asian cooking that I do. But you don't really use it a lot in like Indian food. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. I'm going to yeah. have to dive into the world of vinegar a little bit more. I really do recommend I mean, it. Your, I mean, dehy- your dehydrator and that whole side and all the spices and things that you make, I feel like could be an entirely <laughs> other episode. Uh, but I have to ask, like, what is the one thing that you like? What is like, because I know you're doing a lot of spices with it. Like, what's the one that you've made that you're like, this, this is money? With the dehydrator and specifically? Yeah. Um, or I mean, I, honestly, anything. I think... I mean, I think because I like to play so much in the kitchen, like you were saying earlier, like I really do surprise myself sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, wait, that actually is way better than I ever could have imagined. <laughs> um, I think what comes to mind is I fermented some honey. So this recipe also comes from the Noma Guide to Fermentation. Um, it was fermented honey that was scented with mango and jalapeno. And so like that ferments away. Oh, that yes. was really uh, good. Mal- Mallory got to try some of that. Um <laughs> We rimmed margaritas with it's like it. Really oh my good. god! Yeah, I should make it again soon. It's so easy. Like really. Wait, oh, they god. were the they were the friendsgiving margaritas. You were there, but I think you were doing not Rocco. Oh. Pio was there. Um, when we did friendsgiving at my house, that's what we made the margaritas with. Instead of agave, I used that too. I don't think we were having those. Yeah, I think that. you and I were <laughs> having something else. We were having something else, but I made those oh, for the other wow. girls. Okay, so I missed my shot. So we're going to have to try again. again. I'll make it again. It's, and <laughs> this one is so easy. It's like honey, like water, mangoes, and jalapeno, and salt. Like that's it. And then you just let it do its thing. Like all the microbes that need to be on it are already on our skin, on the vegetables. Um, but so what I had after that was like the fermented honey, which was the liquid, and then all of the solids, like the mango and the jalapeno. And so I, again, like didn't want to waste it. I really tried to avoid wasting food. Um, and so I blended all of the solids and added chia seeds for a little bit more of like a, like body, like some thickness. Mm-hmm. And then I added that mixture to the dehydrator and it, I fermented it kind of like a fruit roll up. Uh, it was like a fruit roll. And so it was like this spicy, flavorful, like had some texture from the chia seeds, like this fruit roll. And it was, it truly tasted like Mexican candy from when I was a child. Like it, it had all of the right flavors. And I was like, this is like healthy, you know, like this yeah. isn't processed. It's just like these fermented yeah. solids that I blended right. up and then dehydrated. And it, I was like, really like, wow, this is really, 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 really good. <laughs> You've made an adult fruit roll up. That's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think I actually brought it. We were uh, choreographing for Mallory's wedding. And so I brought the snacks to the to the rehearsal oh, yeah, and they did not right. make it home. We <laughs> ate all of them in like two minutes. Uh, it was great. 
And I think that example just speaks to how vast your options are with fermentation. We've talked about beer. We've talked about vinegar. We've talked about yeah. roll-ups and cocktails. It's just you can kind of weave it into your everyday life. It doesn't have to be like some crazy thing that you like plan your meal Absolutely. around. And I feel like right now there's so much conversation around like the microbiome, like your microbiome. How's your, your gut health and your microbiome? And I, I can't pretend right. to be, you know, any kind of healthcare professional who has any sort of, you know, weight to say this is healthy or unhealthy. But I think what I think about, again, is like the legacy that fermentation has with humanity and that we've really, again, co-evolved with these species. So I'm like, this can't be bad for me. That's for sure. Right. Like These fermented vegetables can't be hurting my microbiome. Um, and so I think that's the kind of other piece is it like feels like this. I'm kind of adding this dimension to my health that really didn't exist before. I'm sure your gut thanks you. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> As Poppy drinks a, po- a poppy, I am right? As a poppy. drinks a poppy. Amazing. We actually didn't have any in the house. Uh, <laughs> and so Raj just went to Costco and he was like, oh, I got some. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll have one today. <laughs> Amazing. Well, what are you? Are you drinking anything? What's in your cup over there? I'm just drinking water today <laughs> from my little gym moment. Um, <laughs> your your fermented yeah, water, really. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe if I get invited back for an episode two, I'll be a little bit more prepared. Um, the other thing I make that we haven't talked about is uh, what's called chunk, and I think a lot of people in the Western world call them oleosaccharides. They're very popular in like the cocktail world, but all you do is make like mix equal parts by weight fruit and sugar, and the sugar just like draws out the water within whatever fruit you're you know using. And then it makes this incredible syrup. Like I've done it with lemons, with peaches. I have some blueberries in my fridge. And so I'll use that in cocktails and mocktails a lot um, as like a sweetener. So I'll do like some vinegar for the sour, some sweetener from the chung, a little sparkling water, and it's like, boom, done, easy. Nice. Okay, I have a ton of lemons. So if you yeah. want lemons, like my tree is overloaded right now. Yeah, whenever, right. if you ever have I excess. Will- Oh my god! And you can make and you can yeah, make the I'm, syrup too. Yeah, I'll show I'm you how to make the syrup. Okay, that one I yeah, know we should definitely. It would be great in your little gin cocktail. Okay, awesome. Sure. I'm gonna spend some time uh, over the next few days and get some bags together of lemons. Uh, and then, honestly, if you're listening and you want some lemons, hit me up. I've got so many. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so like I did too many. I don't know what to do with that many. And so, like you know, I'd rather somebody use them. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for it. thanks for giving us all that insight today. I feel like I learned a whole bunch. I'm a little more curious than where we when we started. So you know that's the goal. Um, maybe we can have you like set up a cooking class for us, like a little fermentation 101. Get like a little group together. That'd be like a fun little group I activity would love to, to do. That. I actually love talking. I mean, I'm, as if it wasn't immediately obvious, I love talking about fermentation. <laughs> I like love like sharing it with other people, and I think also just kind of demystifying it. I think it seems so intimidating from afar, and then you actually yeah. do it, and you're like, oh, I literally just like added some salt. Like that was all I had to do. Um, so yes, always down for you know a class or anything like that, a little workshop. Yeah, I'd be down. I'm sure we could. Yeah. It'd be so fun. Like a little, yeah, like a little cocktail, like fermentation class or something. Mm. It's so cool. I, I call them my it. little pets. Like whenever I go on <laughs> vacation or leave, like ah, my little microbial <laughs> families. 
<laughs> okay, so give us your top three tips, short little tips that you would give a beginner. Give a beginner. Um, I would say think about the fermented foods that sound the most appealing to you. Like rather than going for, sometimes people will say like, oh, sauerkraut's really easy, which is true. But if you don't like sauerkraut, like don't don't go for sauerkraut. Like start with something that you think you'll genuinely like. Um, I think, and like probably just try it. Like really just try it. Trust that, you know, your nose, your eyes can look for the things to tell you if it's spoiled. Like if a ferment goes wrong, it's actually really, really obvious. Like when you find that like salad that you bought and left in the back of your fridge, it's really, really obvious when that salad is not good. And that's the same case for ferments. I think a lot of people are often scared to try it because they're like, well, I don't want to get myself sick. Like what if something goes wrong and I don't know, which is a fair concern, but I think we can, we can really trust our senses to make sure that the food we're eating is good. Um, and of course, do your research. Like I always recommend, you know, Sander Katz is incredible. The Noma guide to fermentation, really exhaustive in terms of the content that they have. There's, there's a lot out there to get started. So like figure out what you want to start with and then find the resource that kind of explains how to do it and then just try it like again like i talked about with the guavas if you don't like it just get rid of it like it's really kind of a low barrier to entry and you know we don't have to be tied to these things if we're scared of them so we can always try again we can always keep playing i would just encourage everyone to to play in the kitchen i love that if you ever if you ever have your own cooking show like that's your that's your line, dude. Play it. <laughs> like I encourage you to play in the kitchen. Like play it. Yeah. It can be fun. There you go. You're gonna yeah. yeah. like, next and first. <laughs> 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 so one thing that like w- Mal and I talk about a lot is like now using TikTok as a Google. Have you yeah. gotten any cool recipes th- from TikTok? Definitely, definitely. Um, both like TikTok and Instagram for sure. I would think, I would say like there's a couple of people I follow where I'm like, oh, you do cool stuff. Like you do stuff that is really exciting, really different than how I think about food. Uh, there's someone I think Johnny Kyung Ho, he's who I like learn chung from. Like the uh, pro- like the practice of preserving fruit and sugar was like all on Instagram. Um, so I think I've definitely picked up a lot. There's also a lot of content that I watch that I'm just like, oh, that's a good idea. Like I've never sliced a radish that way or I haven't, you know, thought to cook a potato, you know, in these different ways. And so sometimes I, I'm not really a recipe person where I'm like following step by step, but I drive a, a lot of infer- yeah. in inspiration, I would say, comes from social media and YouTube and just like, how are people, how are people playing? Like what are people, what are people doing that seems exciting to me that I haven't seen before or I've seen before, but in a different light. I think that's where I use social media a lot for inspiration. Nice. That's cool. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. We will definitely be hitting you up to learn a little bit more. Uh, this is like the tip of the iceberg of like <laughs> your food knowledge. And so, totally. you know, not even just food, like, Rocco's a great dancer, so if anybody oh. needs, uh, <laughs> you know, there maybe that's going to be our promo for for the Instagram. <laughs> Send us your favorite yeah. clip. <laughs> oh, I wish I had the clip from your wedding of you leading the class in the pool. Oh, that was gosh. the best one. <laughs> 
I might have oh, to go that find lives in that. my head yeah. rent free. I don't even know how that happened. I was just pulled up on stage, <laughs> was so hungover, and oh. then was just like, okay. Pulled up. He was, was already yeah. like two beers in, I think. And here's like, you're pointing at me? <laughs> oh, yeah, me. I'm no, up there. I, I shook my head. No, I was like, I really don't want to do it. And he even did like, and then he like shimmy towards you and you're like, The okay. worker was like, you actually don't have a choice. Like this actually isn't a question. And so if I was going to get up there, I had to, you know, give it my all. Yeah. That's the, that's the only way that we, that's the Rocco way. Like I wouldn't have expected anything less. <laughs> so true. Well, thank you for coming on. It was great to have you. Lots of learned stuff. Yeah. That was fun. It was a great time. Yeah. All right. Well, cheers to whatever's left in your right. cup, guys. Cheers. Cheers. We'll see you next week. <laughs>